Welcome back, listeners, to a brand new episode of The New Standard. And if you're wondering why I sound so enthusiastic, is because it's the way that it usually is. Steelers-Ravens, Steelers get the victory, 17-10, and I have my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Big Neil? Lance, I got, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I am at a loss for words over how ridiculously stupid today's, what, 1710? Is that how it ended? Yes. Over the hated Baltimore Ravens was. This is but a long, this is but an addition to a long list of Steelers' stupid wins lately. But a win is a win and all that. I get it. I, I don't know the direction of this team. I don't know how Baltimore managed to lose this game. But that, to me, is really what this was. So my mood's mixed. I'm not even sure where I sit with this. But they're three and two. They are somehow in first place <laughs> in the <laughs> AFC North, heading into a bye, uh, a much-needed bye. I, I like to think of it more as a complete and total offensive reset, which is what we are going to see. Um, it, it It's an exciting win because it's a win over the Ravens. But overall, my Lord, what a stupid game that was. Yes, the Steelers are headed into the boom by week, and they need it. But before we jump into the program, a lot of big plays in this game that went kind of left and right. And you and Steelers Freak are kind of in the same mood right now. Like kissing my sister, it does nothing for me. Hopefully, uh, Freak, you've never kissed your sister, but maybe, hence the name, Steelers freak. But if you want to join the show, make sure you go to YouTube and do a search for the new standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong, or however you get your podcast, do the same type of search, do a search for Steelers and the new standard. But I want to thank you, Neil, for coming up with the title of the show. And I, and I want you to speak to it. You kind of alluded a little bit to it at the top of the program, but explain in more detail, what do you mean by in the way that it usually is? Steelers now, to, versus Ravens. To be fair, the context in which Steelers coach Mike Tomlin intended that statement was it was a defensive battle, which it was. You want to look at it that way, you, you can. Uh, fair enough. The way it usually is, also fair. What I took from it is more in the way that it usually is nowadays in our 40th game under this current offensive leadership <clears throat> leadership <coughs> this game played out like a lot of Steelers wins and if, not not that there are a ton of wins to go over but many of them and many against Baltimore in fact over that time have been like this as in all three phases of the game had to score which which they more or less did today give the three points at the end uh, largely to the defense the offense certainly didn't do anything with it, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. Having to get contributions from all three phases of the game in order to score enough points to win a game in which you allowed 10 is the Steelers' way of things now. And it's not sustainable. As we've seen to this point, it, breaking it down specifically just seems a lot more arduous and a lot less authentic than just simply saying, this is how it is now. <laughs> this is the way... The Steelers are playing football nowadays. Um, I don't think that it's good. I do think that a win is good. We have also said that 
I don't know how many times, Lance, in the, in the duration of this show, we've had post-game uh, uh, shows exactly like this. How did they win this game? They had no business winning this game, but they won the game. Great. Great. Where's the arrow pointed? You know, what, what, what direction does this mean the team is going in? That's really more of what I was thinking. Yeah, it's kind of weird that uh... – yeah, it's kind of weird. We got some big contributions in this game. I, I think that we saw we saw an inkling of some things I, I think that we'll see in the bye week. In the first half, the Steelers got 88 yards of total offense. Second half, 201 yards. I think that continues their streak up. What's, what's the streak of 40 straight games of under 400 yards? Never having? That was, no, that was number 40. That was 40, Ring yes. a bell. 40 consecutive games under 400 yards. And in that time, I'm not even sure if it's still this number. In that time frame, though, every other team in the NFL has reached that mark at least three times. It might be four, as far as I know right now. But the Steelers didn't even come close to threatening that today. Um, even at the end with a, a, an offense that actually moved the ball and was productive, the Steelers ended with, what, 289 total yards. By my count, that's the fifth time in the last 40 games. They've been under 300 yards. And, Frank, they're 3-2 they're and two in those games. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. None of this makes I, any sense. I love uh, the Gabar-ya Alaban-ya. I'm sorry if I hacked your name up. It has five name, five different pieces to it, and I can't get it all out, but – Canna don't is perfect. Instead of Canada, Canna don't. It's perfect. But let, let's jump into a couple of big plays in this game. What was your thoughts? And big up to Joey Porter Jr. for making a play and getting the interception to really help turn that game. What was your thoughts on Harbaugh's decision to one go for it on third, fourth down, excuse me, and to pass the ball in the corner of the end zone to try to really kill the game off? What was your thoughts? Um, the, the, the interception was third down, but the, the fourth oh, down play, that. which ended up being a, a significant factor in the game, I, I don't think he intended the, for the ball to be snapped. Now, I don't know. Maybe Harbaugh will speak to that, but I, I think his quarterback just kind of went rogue. Um, they weren't blocked for that play at all. The, the Steelers weren't. I, I'm going, you know, we can say what we want about NFL level coaches. They're idiots. We, we love to get on our soapboxes and rant about everything that we know about everything. But at the end of the day, they're not stupid. They, they know what they're doing. Okay. They have something of an idea of what they were doing. They did not intend TJ Watt to have a free release on a shotgun play with players running five to seven down the field. Okay. You, you would not do that <laughs> under any circumstance. And on top of that, and maybe I'll admit I'm a little uh, uh, moved by this, the look on Harbaugh's face on the sideline, he didn't want that play to run. <laughs> I think he was about to call timeout. Uh, just They wanted to put it out there. It, it's, it's a situational play. You want to do this in this kind of down and distance to see what the defense is going to do. But more than anything, what they wanted to do was get on the field, one, take a look and see what the defense is going to do, decide if you want to run the play. But two, you want to run the clock down. You want to get the clock down as, as far as you can before calling timeout, kicking the ball, and going into to halftime. There was no reason for Jackson to snap the ball when he did. 
There was no protection on the play at all. Watt blew it up immediately by the, the easiest thing he did all day. And Watt, Watt worked his ass off in this game, by the way. One of the more admirable performances we've seen from a, from a Hall of Fame level player. But Watt was untouched. A complete untouched. straight line to Jackson. So we had no opportunity to run. Even if Watt doesn't sack him, Jackson is not able to escape and run from eight yards deep in the pocket. It's not going to happen. So they have no play. There's nothing there for him to do. I, I, I don't think Harbaugh wanted him to snap the ball. So whatever happened there, I, I would not put that on Harbaugh. I think Jackson got confused, did something he wasn't supposed to do, which leads us to the interception, which had to be among the worst throws he's made in his career. That was yeah, that awful. Was bad. Like, that what are really you doing? Bad. Even I, I forget who the, the the analyst was on TV, but he even said it. If this is supposed to be back shoulder, he missed way too low. If it's supposed to be if it's supposed to be back pylon, he threw it way too short. If it's supposed to be back shoulder, it's way too far inside. That's the easiest interception Joey Porter will ever make. And I remember you and I talking about that from the preseason when it was kind of the same thing. He's exactly where he's supposed to be. He he played it well, you know. It was just such a terrible throw. He he gave it to Porter. Good on Porter for holding on to the ball. Not everybody does. You know, that that was a big play. They needed to get the ball back without putting points on the board. That gave them the opportunity to win the game. So certainly uh, credit to, to Joey Porter for that. But Lamar Jackson played at, it, it, to put it mildly, a suboptimal level in the fourth quarter. He was really bad. Made terrible decisions with the ball. Um, in, in my opinion, if, if we want to break it down totally, I'm always going to give uh, more of the emphasis of winning or losing on the players rather than the coaches. But uh, it, Jackson cost them a lot in the second half. They had every opportunity to win this game, and they should have won this game. And uh, Harbaugh's decision to lay off of what they were doing in the first half when they were just running tire tracks all over the Steelers should have been able to hold on to the ball, should have gone for a kill shot or two, to, to get enough of a lead to make this offense rush and have to come back because they can't score. They can't move the ball. When you hang around with the Steelers as bad as they are offensively. Yeah. If you yeah. hang around and dink and dunk throw short stuff to run after the catch, they're going to make a game changing play on you. And they did today. They did twice. In fact, you even let the special teams impact this game. Miles Killebrew with, I believe his second block punt is the Steeler. Maybe it's yeah, third. Yeah, it was a second, second or Significant third. Significant play. Great play. Significant play in this game. The Ravens, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from the winning team. I hate doing that. But the Ravens had this game won multiple times in the second half. And they got in their own way. And it, it, it cost them the game. You cannot let a, a, a beaten Steelers team allow, you can't allow their defensive playmakers to do things to you. And that's what they did. And a lot of that is the short stuff open field, trying to make plays in the middle, of dancing around horizontally. You can't let T.J. Watt catch you from behind. He's going to get the ball. Larry Ogunjobi ran you down and got the ball. Things like that killed Baltimore today. And it, to me, that that's more of the story of the game. Yeah, and, and, and that just shows you in a football game, you have to execute. And it typically always cliche-wise comes down to a couple of plays because I, I know I thought the game was over. Once Gunnar Olszewski got blown up by his own player and Cameron Haywood in it, and not Cameron Haywood, but <laughs> little Hayward and fumbled Connor. the ball, I, you know, and Connor, I thought the game was over there, uh, but kudos, to the, you, know, been. you know, kudos to the Steelers for 
being resilient. And, and I think that is, if you're talking about adjectives, that might be resilient might be the av- adjective to best describe what this Steeler team is under Mike Tom. They are resilient. Like they, like unless you kill them, if you keep them close, they're going to try to find a way to win. Like they may not they're, win. They're going to do something to you. But yeah, they're a resilient bunch. I mean, they're, they're going to play all the way to the last whistle. And, and they're going to try to find a way. They may not always find a way, but they're going to try to find a way. And I think the Steelers were just very fortunate in this game that the Raven wide receivers, again, like you said, were just really bad. They were um, horrible. A lot of drops. That, that, team, that team can't find a receiver to save its life. Zay Jones dropped, what, f- like three, four? He should have made the plays after the catch as well. He couldn't do it. Rashad Bateman, who was one of my favorite players in college, absolutely loved him coming out of Minnesota. His career has been a complete disaster. Bad drop. And that doesn't even speak to Nelson Aguilar, who I, I can't even figure out how he dropped that pass. That should have been a 40-yard game. <laughs> they, yeah. they were they were awful. I, I yeah. you're you're right to bring that up though. I just ripped Lamar pretty good, and certainly Lamar deserves it, but they didn't help him out at all today. That's just a miserable game, by the yeah, way. That, it really was. I want to speak to uh, a point from Big Mel. What's up, Mel? What's up to the Qs? Uh, Mel wrote, so MT is done, Lance and Neil, just asking. Austin gets a big star for the defense. JPJ has to be the starter now. Like cockroaches, we never die. Let me ask you that question right there. Did JPJ do enough, in your opinion, to be the starter? That's one question. I would ask you, did Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace finally do enough to not play (laughs) to me that's more of the issue they are without question the worst duo of starting quarterbacks in the in in cornerbacks in the nfl there's no question about that anymore porter gets in he does something great again i'm not saying promote him because he caught a ball thrown right to him with with the receiver on his back i'm saying put him in there because he's not patrick peterson He's not Levi Wallace. That, to me, is more important right now. I think the other thing, before we jump into the rest of Mel's comment, uh, I got to watch it again, and I will this week, especially with the bye week. I'll be able to get through the All-22. What were your thoughts on Broderick Jones' debut as a starter? I didn't see anything really bad that jumped out, which might be good, but I want to watch it more closely. Did Did you focus on him at all? I, I was watching him probably more intently than I was any other offensive player, and I, I was impressed. I thought where he was last week, and you heard me last week, I, I was like wanting to hide myself for, for being excited about his career after last week's game. He was terrible last week. I thought he did pretty well. Um, he's a rookie. They didn't – again, I, I'm not trying to make this into a Ravens show, but I, I don't understand what Baltimore was trying to do defensively uh, they, they didn't challenge him the way that I figured that they would. There's no reason not to. Um, they left him one-on-one a, a good amount, and he won. I, I'd say overall he was successful. Now, I, you know, I don't know the PFF grade or anything like that. Just from what I saw, and I, I also will, will watch it a bit more intensely um, in the coming days, but I, was, I, was, I walked away from that game pleased with Broderick Jones, certainly in pass protection, run blocking, it crossed the line was bad as usual. Um, he did some good things uh, in, in pass pro that 
leave you excited for a guy for a rookie making his first start against what's usually a very aggressive, very stout uh, defensive front. I, I think he did pretty well. He's one of the rare offensive linemen that I've seen not consistently be able to get over his skis and still recover in pass protection, but I've seen him get over his skis and be athletic enough and long enough to still kind of recover and not get beat really bad. Like there were some plays where I was like, well, oh, he's out of position. Oh, he recovered. Oh, he just hit the guy just enough to where he doesn't get a free run in the quarterback. I think from an athletic standpoint, there's a lot there that they can get out of him. And I, I think you were absolutely right that the Dan Less era is ending. But let's get back it's, to it's over after today. Yeah. It's over. Dan Moore will not start at left tackle again. For, let's for get to barring the first, injury. He's not going to. Let's get to the first start of Mel's point. And Mel says, so MT is done, Lance and Neil just asking. And let me let me address this real quick first, Neil. We can't as Steeler fans and if you're evaluating the performance, this is when it's so critical to watch film and watch the game outside of the lens of results. The results say that the Steelers won. It's great. The quality of play says all those changes that Mike Tomlin was talking about, none of those, whatever they were that they implemented during the week, I would challenge anybody to try to discern what they were. What I'm trying to say is if you've come up with the conclusion that Mike Tomlin needs to no longer be the coach of this team, one improbable win is not going to change your mind. In fact, this type of win makes me double down on the fact that Mike Tomlin should not be the coach of this franchise because how this looks. Style points don't matter. We hear that all the time. But this is a team, even in victory, is treading water. And I'm not going to complain about victories, but we're talking about is this coach the right guy to move this team along? I would still say no, nothing has changed my mind. It is taking me at least three and a half years to get to this point. One victory is not moving me off of it. It's still, in my opinion, time to go in a different direction next year. I would echo a lot of that. Um, this was kind of the, the point of the title of the show, too, um, in the way that it usually is. Look, they... <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that on camera. You know that. Yeah, I'm like, wow. I had to, I had to <laughs> such I a great line. It's like, whoa, okay. We're, 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 we're quoting airplane in the comments. I don't know if you yeah, noticed yeah, that yeah. or not. Yes. <laughs> um, now, now that we're moving on to a more serious note, I this this is the same team with the same problems that we've seen for the last three years. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting the results that you're getting. I've said this a lot, and I will admit it, it's kind of weird that it continues to come back like this, but they should have lost this game several times. Yeah, he will, he, he, he will he outlive us. Don't worry. He will definitely outlive us. I mean, I, I'm not saying the guy can't coach. I'm not saying that, that he's terrible. I'm just saying that the direction of the team, uh, really, he's kind of the barometer of that. 
He has to be the due north. And w- what's the direction right now? What are we looking at? Got a good game from George Pickens. That's nice. You know, it, it's, it's good to see that. I've said this before. I think when you get Deontay Johnson back, uh, you'll have a little bit more gas to cook with. That said, the offense is an unmitigated disaster overall. And let me use this point to segue into what has to be the worst penalty of the Mike Tomlin era to explain a kneel down situation. When you are kneeling out the clock, okay, clock is running. You want a clock. You want the clock to continue running because you have the ball. They can't stop the clock and you're ahead. Very simple, right? The one main rule that affects every play after the, or I, I should say before the snap, but it'll be called after the snap is formation. Your formation has to fit within certain rules and certain constructs. The biggest one is your tackles have to be covered on the line, meaning there has to be another player on the line with your tackle. Your tackle cannot be the widest guy in your formation. To fail to recognize that your tackle is not covered in a kneel down situation is in my opinion, on the level of the butt fumble, as in this is a massive mistake that simply cannot happen in the situation that you're in, and you look like complete idiots when it happens. I only bring up the butt fumble because Gunnar Olszewski fumbled the ball again today, largely due to the fact that Connor Hayward inexplicably put his shoulder on the ball. Bang, bang, Gunnar. This was the end of a game. The Steelers won, and it makes absolutely no sense at all. But the highlight of all this is the fact that the Steelers were flagged, thus stopping the clock, thus forcing them to kick, not a gimme field goal, by the way, and kick off to the Ravens with 53 seconds left in the game. Their failure to understand the basic rule of formation in the NFL on an offensive play gave Baltimore four downs to score and tie the game at the end. A game that they were they, they knelt on the ball two plays prior to the penalty. There is no excuse for a penalty in a situation where you're kneeling down the ball. If that's not on your offensive coordinator, if that's not on your quarterback, if that's not on your head coach, I, I can't tell you who it's on, but somebody needs to take responsibility for that. I will put this on Tomlin to some degree because what I heard right before that snap was 74 is reporting eligible. Why are you having a, why are you having a lineman come in to be a tight end <laughs> in a situation where you're kneeling on the damn ball? You're kneeling on the ball. Why? You don't need to do that. There's absolutely no need to do that, but it should call you to attention, right? If you're Kenny Pickett, you should think about that. What are you doing right now? Did Kenny Pickett think about that? No, no. Instead, he didn't notice two of his, the the tight ends on the play. One was an actual tight end. The other is a rookie interior offensive lineman who had to report to be in the position that he was in. They both went to the same side of the field. Nobody covered the right side. Nobody did anything about it. it. It's, it's inexcusable. I can't put it any better than that. I don't think that that's, that's being made into more than it is because it didn't ultimately cost them. But you realize 
you gave the Ravens the ball at the 25-yard line with 53 seconds left with a chance to tie the game because you didn't count. You didn't look at your situation. You cannot have that. It's a, a, a championship-level team does not make mistakes yeah, like that. that. that and that I, is I, a... I've had it. Offensively, it's like this is a complete gong show every single yeah, week. Yeah, and that that's really indicative of coaching in that they absolutely need the bye week. I want to jump into this comment. The, from the fourth and one Brown. play call last week. Yes. The, the illegal formation penalty this week. This this doesn't change. Something has to happen. It just sometimes you just need to go in a different direction. That's really yes. all I'm saying here. Yeah. It's just and, like this isn't working anymore. We need to try something else. That to yeah. me right now, that's where I am. We'll see how the yeah, year I ends, I but I, I don't know. It might just yeah. be time. I don't I don't disagree. And I want to get into this comment as we go into the bye week from Grayson Brown. And thank you, Grayson, for the contribution. Again, you're checking out the new standard in this week's program in the way that it usually is, hosted by yours truly, Lance Williams and Neil Kulong. Please hit us with a like and a subscribe. And Grayson wrote, does a win like this turn the Steelers season around? Question two, early question. Does a game like this get the offense some confidence back, especially KP8? Does a, does a win like this turn the season around? No. I would agree. I, I, I think I what it, I, I think so. They, they, they were under 300 yards today. They, they, Baltimore had four opportunities to put the game away and failed dramatically to say nothing of the fact they dropped six passes on the game. Three of them by my count should have been 20 plus yard plays. Baltimore was the better team without question. It doesn't turn anything around. It goes to show you once again, this offense is, probably the worst in the NFL. They have not played a good game on offense yet this season, and their defense can be very high level when it has to if it's healthy and you have everything moving for it and a, a, a quarterback who makes tremendously bad decisions in the clutch, which is what happened today. You know, I, I don't think it turns the season around because to what Neil is saying, you still have significant issues on offense. Until the offense becomes much more efficient and better, then I don't think the season turns around. What I think it's what Ollie Howard Species said, it's you're treading. You're treading in place. A, a win like this, though, allows you more time to get it fixed, particularly going into the bye week where you can self-scout. You can look at some things, try to correct some things. Definitely much better than a loss in this situation because the Ravens would have had three division wins all on the road which would have set them up nicely to have total control of the AFC North moving forward so I don't think it turns the season around but it doesn't torpedo your season as well Grayson also asked does a game like this get the offense some confidence back I would say no I don't know what the offense is doing to have any confidence I don't think there's any foundation when you look at the Steelers offense it's a it's a two-legged table there's no foundation. There's nothing to stand on. There's no identity to it. They can't do anything consistently well. So I don't think this gives them any confidence. I don't know how much confidence they had at all. Uh, but, but winning is a good thing. Winning and correcting is a good thing. Winning is never going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. So from that perspective, a win is a win, and it's always good to get a tough divisional one. What's your thoughts on the second part of that question? 
Um, just really quickly, I just happened to notice this. It's brought to attention by somebody on social media. The play I just ranted about, the illegal formation, they only have 10 players in the field. As well. As, as well. So I'm going to guess it was the tight end who didn't come out to. <laughs> yeah, that only compounds it. Maybe, only... maybe. Yes. There's, there's, a, there's a shoe that's coming out. It could be a cleat in the left. I, I cut the screen a little bit too narrowly. That could be a player. That could be a, an official. I think the official would be standing where the shoe is, though. So they got 10 guys on the field. Shoe gate. So you, you didn't <laughs> notice that in the huddle. You, you obviously haven't practiced this. You haven't drilled it. You haven't gone over it. it inexcusable. I, I, I can't say that enough. That, that's so bitterly disappointing that these are the kinds of problems uh, this team has consistently. And What about... The offensive direction is is done, by the way. There's, you know, I, I've said this before. They're not going. I, I never thought they were going to fire Matt Canada. If they were ever going to, it was going to be now heading into the bye. I, I would have said one in 100 that that would have happened. They're going to continue doing what they're doing. They might improve. They might get better. I think Deontay Johnson will make them a little bit better of an offense. But mark this down as the least surprising thing I will ever say. There is absolutely no way Matt Canada will be the offensive coordinator in 2024. There's no way. What they do with it, though, is far more important. Okay. Matt Canada is not costing this team 20 points a game. He's just not. All right. You got to get somebody else in there. What are they going to do? Are you able to pay somebody else to do this? That that's the real question going into to the rest of the year, in my opinion. Because they're they're not a good team. They're not going to do anything this year doesn't really matter they have to rebuild offensively both talent wise coaching if that's not something Tomlin is on board with then I think you need to find a new head coach as well yeah absolutely let me let me jump into the last couple of last comments before we get out of here and this is one from Mel and I and I think depending on what your your personality is naturally if you're a half glass is half full glass half empty which depending on which one you are and to Mel's point his comment it gives the offense some confidence in the fact that when it had to be done, the offense got it done against a divisional opponent. That is always something to build on. And it's something that if you've been a coach before, it's something that you can lean on to try to put some things in place from a confidence perspective to try to get your offense in the right direction. When we needed it, we were able to do it. Uh, but, you know, again, Somewhat that that that's kind of reaching for straws. But let me jump into the last comment of the program by Gabar. And he said, Canada don't offense. You're the rock. You're the glass. You're the stick. Just somebody get open. And, you know, and this is very interesting. The Steelers, even in victory, I think, are in a very interesting place. Um, I want to see who are the Steelers, if you know off the top of your head, Neil, who do they have after the bye week? Uh, the Rams they'll play the Rams and they will for for all we know now everything we have heard they will have Deontay Johnson back against the Rams okay in week seven and I think we can see Deontay Johnson is he serves as the milk and the eggs in the flour to your cake he may not be the icing but he's the fundamental ingredients that you need to make a very good cake the sugar the eggs the flour to make a solid cake. And hopefully with this win, with the big play from Pickens, 
playing probably one of his best games. Um, you know, hopefully they can get something positive moving forward after the bye week when Deontay Johnson comes back, and this is something that you can build on. Any last comments you want to hit the fans with, Neil, before we get out of here? No, just thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll be back this week, of course, the way we always are, and hopefully um, we have something to go over that's a little more forward-thinking than um, <laughs> the same thing over and over again. I, I, I don't – I. I'm out of words. I don't even know how else to describe the the direction of this team. Nobody else is able to win these games. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, Lance, but I I think it's both. I really do because this is just so stupid. Um, They should not win these games, yet they do. It's almost as if they're used to playing in the muck. You know, they're, they're used to being on one side of a terrible football game and they are totally comfortable with it. Everyone else is really frustrated like Lamar Jackson who had, I I believe the Steelers had as many points as the Ravens had dropped passes and Lamar Jackson helmet throws. And it's obvious that Jackson's frustration boiled over by the end and he was a mess. Good on the Steelers defense for, for the, the performance they put up in the second half today. Happy to see that. Very excited to see that. The guys played well. They played hard. Um, and, but they're not going to continue winning games like this. And that that's a great way to end this program is with Mel's comments. Big up to the Qs. Steelers win. We're in first place. We don't apologize for winning. I'll love it for today. But it's going to have to get better. And with that, we're going to conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers. Great win over the dreaded, hated Baltimore Ravens.